<laughs> we talked about attitude, wisdom, and enduring trials. And so that theme is expanded now. You see in James 1, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And you see over here in chapter 3, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. We'll expand on all of those. But you're seeing, he says in chapter 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And we're going to plow through that a little bit. We'll take a brief detour through Proverbs. Uh, again, in the introduction, I said many people refer to James as the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. So it makes sense that there's some wisdom that's referring back to Proverbs. Also, chapter 1, you see, such a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in chapter 3, chapter 4, you see, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so the cure of double-minded in chapter 1 is over there in chapter 4. So what is wisdom in the first place? Anybody? What is wisdom? James Dobson said, well, I thought I had some. There was nobody home to tell. Begins with the fear of God. Okay. Nelson's Bible Dictionary. It's the ability to judge correctly. In later chapter 4, we're going to do some work in the word judge. Ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action based upon knowledge and understanding. You know, there are some brilliant people in this world and have zero common sense. Common sense might be a secular way of talking about wisdom, but this is a spiritual word, the word wisdom. Knowledge versus understanding versus wisdom. Knowledge, a stove can get hot and heat can burn. Understanding, if I touch that hot stove, I'm going to get burned. And then comes wisdom, turn the pot handle in, and if somebody's getting ready to not hit the handle and pull it down, but to put their hands on that hot coil, you're not going to say, now, son, that stove is hot. And if you put your hand up there, you're going to get burned. What are you going to say? No! And whatever physically is required to get that little guy out of the way, it's going to happen. Okay. Homes are built, notice I didn't say houses, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Where there is knowledge, the rooms are furnished with valuable, beautiful things. Now that's not talking about antiques. It's not talking about plaqueware, you know, there are people that have Bible verses on, on plaques. It's talking about the folks that are inside that house. Beautiful things. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, and he blesses the home of the righteous. We're going to talk about sowing a, for a harvest of righteousness. So how do you get wisdom? Bob started it. He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So what comes from the Lord's mouth? His word. Okay. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Who's that guy? James Dobson. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I'm so thankful 
that very early in my Christian life and very early in my parenting, somebody introduced me to James Dobson. Wonderful, wonderful contributor to wisdom. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. He said the vast majority of his wisdom came from his mother, his parenting skills. And then he said his mother lost all of her parenting skills the first grandchild that was born. (laughs) They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. So how do you get more wisdom? Okay, so I've got... I've got some. How do I get more wisdom? James 1. Where do I go? You read it. Okay, you get more wisdom because you ask God. Okay? He should ask God. And if we get into chapter 4, the Bible says, we have not because we ask not. We, re- we ask and receive not because we ask so we can consume it upon our own lusts. The, the, the purpose of wisdom is really not primarily for me. The purpose of wisdom is for me to help other people. And we're going to get into selflessness versus selfishness. There are two kinds of wisdom. One's from above. And the other one, the Bible says, is earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's the selfish kind. Wisdom from above is selfless. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. My first pastor would say, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. The man that should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. I often think of the prayer... God, if you're up there, save me. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to believe him, knowing that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what are the benefits of wisdom? Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost beings, praise his holy name. O soul, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Wisdom has benefits. And there's a list of them. This is all Proverbs chapter 2. Deliverance from wicked men. Deliverance from the adulteress. A long life. A good name and prosperity. Health, wealth. Early to bed, early to rise. Well, the, the, that phrase doesn't come from the Bible, but the principle does. Safety, grace, and honor. So who would not want wisdom? There's a look at all those goodies up there. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. The turns on his bed. Warnings if you do not accept wisdom. Now, I will tell you, When I was a little kid, my dad was my hero. He was the strongest and the smartest and everything else. But when I hit the teens, he was an absolute dolt. And then I hit the adult life, and I wish I had half the wisdom my dad had. 
So, I use the phrase many, many times. I was young once. I use another phrase, and I saw Pastor Vernon down the hall. I give this one to him because that's the first to really connect. Too soon old, too late smart. So what happens when you reject or don't accept wisdom? Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurred my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. And if we dig in deep enough, we might get to a verse that says that the fruit of righteousness or the harvest of righteousness is sown by those who make peace. You want peace in your life? Get wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Ask God. How do you ask God? With faith and nothing wavering. The fruit of their ways will be filled with the fruit of their schemes, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacencies of fools will destroy them. Okay. A wise man will want more wisdom and choose. We're going to do some fours and against. This is all Proverbs. We're going to get back to James shortly. Goodness and righteousness, love and faithfulness, discipline giving to God and giving to the needy. And I already introduced the notion of selflessness versus selfishness. Versus the ways of the wicked, involvement in adultery, plotting to harm anyone, false accusations, and envy. The Bible says a lot about envy. And in chapter 3 it talks about bitter envy. And there's a phrase that's used in the Bible and it talks about the the root of bitterness. And I often use the example of a dandelion, but now I've got a, a different example for you. Because I was cleaning up around the house. Who has got growing where you don't want them? Locust trees. Anybody? I get happily. <laughs> Either you've never had them or you've figured out how to get rid of them. They're not a problem. Well, I will tell you that I have kept a garden in this exact same spot for many, many years. And I was cleaning up the garden and putting in mulch and ground cover. And there's this locust tree about four feet tall that grew. And I can cut that locust tree and it'll come back next year. I could rip out that locust tree. I go through that garden every year with a five-foot tiller. And it rips up those locust roots and keeps coming back. That's what the root of bitterness is like. And I'm afraid that for some people you'll never get rid of bitterness. But you've got to clip it off. When you see it, clip it off. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let the wise man stand up. Who's going to stand up? Who's the wise among you? <laughs> Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good works, let him show by his good life, and by deeds done in humility. Now the King James uses the word meekness, and we're going to see some interesting things there. Who was the weakest, who was not the weakest, who was the meekest or most humble man in the world? Ever. Say Jesus Christ. Who was the meekest man? 
Moses, that's right. He spent his first 40 years thinking he was something. He spent his next 40 years learning he was nothing. And he spent the last 40 years learning that God could do something with nothing. But now let me ask you this. What is the one autobiographical attribute of Christ? Christ gave himself one attribute. What might it be? You can give him lots of favorable adjectives, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's the King James, because a lot of folks have that particular verse memorized. The one attribute that Jesus gave himself was meek. Now, definitions. Meek. What does atonement word mean? How can that word help you? At one with God. You see atonement up there, right? How about justification? Justified, never seen. How about meek? Me? Ick. Now, especially in education these days, we talk about self-esteem. Nobody hates themselves. And I'm going to prove this to you. Okay, nobody hates themselves. If next, well, let's say the church poses for a church photograph, a nice big panoramic view, and, and somebody prints it and puts it in the back of the church, what's the first thing you're going to do when you see that picture? You're going to look for yourself. That's exactly right. If a body hated themselves, they wouldn't be covering that temple. <laughs> we all have to deal with self. What are the baby's first words? Sometimes it's mama. Sometimes it's dada. But when a baby starts growing up, sweet angel that they are, one of the first words that they give out is, Mine. Mine. And it's very self-centered. They cry because I'm wet. They cry because I'm hungry. They cry because I need attention. They cry because you're not looking at me. It's all me, me, and me. And we're going to see when we look into wisdom the word selfish. And it starts from the very beginning and unfortunately, it tags along with us for the duration, self. James 3, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life. Now, James says this, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Now, one of the very first slides we had there was attitude, Right? So, you could probably might see the red font down below, but it was Muhammad Ali who said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Now, if I'm walking around say, I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Matthew 6 says, you've already received your rewards. That's, that's not God-honoring. That's self-lifting. 
Okay. Wisdom comes from where? We just started talking about the fear of wisdom. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want more wisdom, ask of God. But wisdom can come from two different directions. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, I started warming up to this verse several minutes ago. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. It's just, you know, we use the phrase, it's plain as the nose in your face. For some people, it's plainer than others. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. King James says, earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's where we get the phrase, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can have a worldly wisdom. And let me use money as an example, okay? There are some people that really know how to turn a dollar. They say money talks, all it's ever told me is goodbye. I know some Christian multimillionaires. There's some very famous ones, like J.C. Penney, as an example, or Eckerd, the starter of, of Eckerd's drugs. They weren't given 10%, they kept 10%. And the other, money can be a great tool or can be a miserable master. And so learning how to turn a dollar could come from the world, worldly, but it could also be a gift of God. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly and sensual and demonic. We talked about faith last week. The devil also believes, and he trembles. It's a devilish faith. There's also a devilish wisdom. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now we're going to look at bitter... Something happened on that slide. Bitter envy versus envy. Bitter envy, and I talked about the root of bitterness. Envy can be the same kind of thing. Oh, his boat is bigger than mine. His lawnmower is newer than mine. His car is fancier than mine. And that kind of stuff could plague you. On the other hand, a body could say, you know, praise the Lord, he's got that thing. The question becomes, what's really going on in your heart? It's one thing to say, oh, I wish I had that boat, but praise the Lord, he's got that boat. Where, where are you really? That's where the soul searching comes in. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Hebrews 12. We just covered Hebrews. It seemed like it was a thousand years ago. We just See to it that no root of bitterness springs up. And I just talk about those locust trees. I've fought those things for as long as I've lived there. And what do they do when they spring up? Cut them off. What cycle are you? Selfless versus selfish. Selflessness is positive versus negative. It's thankful versus entitled. You know, we've got this word, two words, that bounce around in our society right now. The one is entitled, right? They're talking about another stimulus check. 
And at some point, the world is going to say, I'm entitled to another stimulus check. And then we have the word deserve. And I've talked about that word several, several times. Uh, and I've also talked about greeting. Have a blessed day. How are you? Another uh, uh, Becoming less, less uncommon is better than I deserve. Now, a Christian giving that greeting understands that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and whatever God gives me, it's better than I deserve. He got what he didn't deserve, so I could have what I don't deserve. Now, someone with the earthly wisdom may hear better than I deserve, and they're thinking, well, I deserve better than that. Selfishness versus selflessness. And it all comes down to the bottom, focused on others versus focused on self. And you've heard this several times. Where does joy come from? J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and you. Jesus, others, and you. So the root of bitterness and bitter envy has got to be cut off. There are certain things that just keep coming back. And I use this crazy example oftentimes. Let's say Sean comes to me and he opens up his chainsaw and he cuts my arm off. All right? Now that's, that's a ridiculous example, okay? And I truly forgive him. But my arm's still missing. Okay? My job when that, let's use some more, hate, bitterness, when that stuff comes up, I have to do what? Put it back. My arm's still gone. I've got to put it back. Chuck Swindoll says, forgiveness is giving up the right to remember. So, envy, put it off. Bitterness, got to put it off. Pride, got to put it off. We are, have all been wired with those things. We all still have that old nature fighting within us. And we're going to come down to Galatians very shortly, where the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh to the spirit so that you cannot do the things that you would. So here we go. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder and every evil practice. God is not a God of confusion. The King James says God is not the author of confusion. But we're supposed to do everything in decency and in order. A simple example. The Bible talks about if you go to the wedding feast, you sit in the, the back. Because if you sit in the front, somebody might say, oh, that's intended for the brothers and the cousins or whoever else, and you got got to move backwards. That's disorder. If I live with a selfless attitude... There's going to be a, a natural order that goes on there. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. If you have an inclination to do something that has any impurity in it, it's not from God. So when that says, first of all, pure, it doesn't mean this is the first word in the list because you wouldn't have to have that phrase, to first of all, because, you know, there it is. It is first. That means most important. God's wisdom leads to clear, orderly, pure things. How many times have you heard, 
or said, based on some decision, I have peace about it. Have you ever heard that phrase? I have, heard, I have peace about it. What a great position to be in. You prayed. You deliberated. You, you're reading your Bible. You talk to your spouse. Bible says there's safety and much counsel. And then you say, I have peace about it. Now there you see peace loving. Now that means a couple of things. First of all, in the terms of a decision, I'd love to have peace about the decision before I make it. We get to chapter 4 a little bit later on. The Bible says that a person's going to say, uh, in a year I'm going to go here, and I'm going to buy, and I'm going to sell, and I'm going to get gain. What word do you hear there many, many times in that verse? I, I, and I. Is there peace in that? Some people would find peace in that. Remember, we have two kinds of wisdoms, earthly and godly. If I wanted to be the number one salesperson at Oracle, and that's what I just ground in my head day in and day out, I would be miserable. I would be miserable. Totally different, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Yes. When is wisdom really tested? When when does it really come down to they say brass tacks? Sometimes it's when one of your kids does something that's way consider it all pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, when those trials come Usually, they don't give me a lot of time to think about it. We use the phrase muscle memory. You, if you go to a wrestling match, before they even start, you'll see these guys walking, going like this, and doing other things. What are they doing? They're exercising that muscle memory, you know, a shot to get somebody, whatever, or you know, try to get up. That's muscle memory. If you don't have muscle memory, you have to go like that and like this. For in the in the world of wisdom, let's say I'm in a boxing match and I have my things like this. Pout. Huh, he hit me. Now what do I do? He will have hit me two or three more times if I go through that kind of process. Our wisdom is tested when we're in the midst of the trials. So pure and peace loving. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I use that word harvest, and that's ESV. NIV says the fruit of righteousness. Well, it's the same thing, but you know the law of sowing and reaping, right? You reap what you sow, the Bible says. I'm going to sow in peace. Reap in peace. But it says righteousness. There are three different kinds of peace. There's peace with God, peace of God, and peace on earth. Keep in mind, I don't want to go on too far on a tangent here, but peace with God. 
a generation ago, if somebody said to you, have you made your peace with God? You would know what that meant. If I said that to a millennial, they would say, what are you talking about? If I make my peace with God, that means, have I received Jesus Christ? So, those who make peace harvest righteousness. If I go around as a miserable old man, and you're going to see this, I've got my daughter over there, and little Rosie, she's not ready for this yet. But when you watch those siblings come in from Sunday school, they're going to climb all over me. Is that because I'm a miserable old man? Leah, don't answer that. <laughs> because I have my tongues. Do you think Jesus was miserable? How do we know? You can't fool kids. He said, King James words, suffer the children to come unto me. It wasn't like, oh, please, kids, come, come, come. No. The kids wanted to come to him. He was sowing in peace. And he was reaping in righteousness. So that's the peace with God. Then we have the peace of God. This comes from Philippians chapter 4. Let your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, it's going to be ours. If I live in peace, I'm giving somebody else an opportunity not to be agitated. And so they can have their righteousness begin to grow. Now, all of our righteousness is in Jesus Christ, but the Bible says no foundation can be laid except the foundation which is in Jesus Christ. I'm not the man I used to be. God willing, I'm not the man I'm going to be, or I should be. But I am who I am. I've known some wonderful peacemakers. I think of a man named Lester Keener. I sat back there in his funeral and everybody went up there and they testified, and I'm sitting there thinking, he's everything I'm not. I went through total conviction that day. What a sweet, peace-loving man. If you don't know him, too bad for you. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. I met a guy at Perkins. Remember, first time you come, I'll pay, I'll buy your breakfast. I'm walking out of Perkins Friday morning, and the man says, it's a good thing to see the men carrying Bibles. And we started talking. Yeah, where do you go to church in Auburn? Do you know Jim Kreider? And he worked with Jim at Hertz. And he said, you know, if Jim ever had a bad day, I never saw it. Jim was sowing in peace. And he continues to sow in peace. And my response to that man was, oh, he's my Moses. And then the peace on earth, a couple weeks we're going to have a kid's play in Luke chapter 2. The angels come and they say they're going to greet us with peace on earth and goodwill toward men. We're not going to see peace on earth until Jesus comes back. There are wars and rumors of wars. And in a little bit, and you say, well, I can think of Afghanistan and I can think of all these other places. James chapter 4 says, from whence cometh wars among you? We don't have to be in a national crisis to have a war. We can have a war between ourselves. We can have a war within ourselves. 
So, if we are peacemakers reaping righteousness, then where come wars and quarrels among you? Now, it's never my fault. It's never your fault, right? The Democrats blame the Republicans. The Republicans blame the Democrats. There's nothing new. When Adam sinned, what did he tell God? He said, you know, God, before that woman that you gave me, he said, everything was cool. I fall asleep, I wake up, I'm missing a rib, and there she, a rib, and there she is, and it's been trouble ever since. So he looks over at Eve. The devil made me do it. And so we always have this, this tendency to blame somebody or some circus or something else. Don't they come from desires that battle within you? Older folks would remember this comic strip, Pogo. We have met the enemy, and he is us. It's not this guy. I wish so-and-so were here to listen to hear this lesson. <laughs> it's me. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. I told you we we're going to get to Galatians chapter 5. The spirit lusteth after the flesh, and the flesh after the spirit, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's a battle that's there. Yes, the Bible says if a man be in Christ, all things are passed away, all things are becoming new, but they're not all dead yet. There's this battle. Do I have some heavenly wisdom? Yeah. Do I have some earthly wisdom? You bet. Do I have some envy? Yeah. Am I clipping off the root of bitterness when it comes out? Sometimes. There's this battle. Romans chapter 7. It's a tongue twister, so I'd never have memorized it. But Paul basically said, the things that I want to do, the things that I should do, I'm not doing them. And the things that get me in trouble, those are the things that I do do. And then the punchline is Romans 8.1. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm in sin, the fellowship is not there. With God, fellowship might not be there with the other person if it's if it's a horizontal kind of sin. But He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's ready, willing, and able to take us back into His fellowship. I've fallen out of fellowship, but I'm still His son. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't they come? from the desires that battle within you? Sure, they come from me. JTS is me, and BC is before Christ. That's the JTS version of the Bible. The only way to get rid of temptation is to give in. And I lived by that. I was pure trouble. James 4 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And we have the word resist. But then Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Flee ye youthful lusts. And here's where wisdom comes in. There is a time for me to resist, and there's a time for me to bail out. Can you imagine Joseph with Mrs. Potiphar? If he wanted to have a conversation with her and said, Look, ma'am, 
Uh, no, what did he do? Out of his jacket and out of the room. As opposed to the only way to get rid of temptation is to get in. So what about my desires? King James loves to use the word lust. What about my desires? They lead to quarreling and fighting. Something as simple as, I want to watch the football game. I want to watch the news. My desires. But we have two televisions. We don't have that fight anymore. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? It's not the next guy. It's not her fault. It's not circumstances. It's yours truly. Now don't go home and say, it's John's fault. He said it was yours truly. (laughs) Wrong desires won't be attained. You desire but do not have, so you kill. Now, I haven't murdered anybody lately. Ever. But I've been angry. And that's one of my Achilles heels. Anger, impatience, pride. Those are things that just, that they dwell with me and I have to deal with them. That's my problem. And you might sit there and say, amen, I don't know. That's, that's my problem. Your desires do not have, so you kill. The Bible says if you're angry with the brother, you're guilty of murder. When does this person get angry with the brother? When I don't have my way. This comes back to my desires. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. All the way back to the baby who says, fine. Wrong desires lead to wrong motives. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now that word pleasures in Greek is where we get the word hedonism or hedonism. And that word is simply the philosophy that the ultimate goal is my pleasure. The first time I ever, well, I can't say I ever heard the word. I'll say the first time that word registered to me. I was a new Christian and I was testifying to this guy. And he says, John, I'm into hedonism. In other words, I don't need Jesus. I don't need this confessing stuff. I'm looking for me. Let's see where we're going to go here. And friendship with the world is hatred with God. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? I'm not going to go any further than this, but I will say that word friend was used earlier in the book of James. And he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he was a friend of God. And this was written to Hebrews. Remember the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They held Abraham right up there. Moses was up there too, but they didn't often say the God of Moses. They said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Was Abraham a friend of the world? What happened to Abraham and Lot? They were there, they had a lot of sheep, they had a lot of helpers, did not have a lot of grass. Abraham was selfless. He said, Lot, if you go left, I go right, you go east, I'll go west, whatever. Lot looked at the 
green grass of the Jordan Valley. He was selfish. And where did he move? There was the grass, but he wasn't doing much attention to the grass. He moved into the city, the world. Anytime you read about the city, it's always a picture of the world. The sea is always a picture of sin, but the city is always a picture of the world. And I'm going to stop right there. I'm a minute over.